1: Revived Thoughts is a production of Revive Studios.
2: This is Troy and Joel, and this is Revived Thoughts.
3: Troy, I am excited for another uh, episode of Revived Conversations, our famous and popular series, Revived Conversations. If you're new um, to what a Revived Conversation episode is, um, this is where Troy and I discuss and talk about things that we see in church history that we don't necessarily see today and discuss why that might be. So there's no sermon in in today's episode. It's just kind of a discussion, uh, kind of reflecting on our current society and um, trends that we have seen throughout... Uh, church history so it's a lot of fun we've done episodes on things like unity in the church over the years or uh, people preaching on hell over the years that's something that's kind of shifted or changed uh, to things like persecution in the church what that has looked like over the years I found that's probably one of my favorite ones is is one on persecution (laughs) so um, if stuff like that you think you might find interesting go and give it a listen today we're gonna be talking about this concept if people if church leaders in the past were more creative than we are today and if so why it might sound kind of like a boring episode uh but stick around you might find yourself looking at something differently than uh, you would have otherwise and it's something that like i don't know it's it's come up a lot when we do this show and we do research for people these people from history are creative and you look at modern day church leaders And we don't see that creativity is there something what's changed there you know why were people in the past creative was it a something that they were forced to be creative like like they're just their society uh, had them be more creative or are there other forces at play there that that changed the behavior of that um troy how are you doing you know i am doing pretty good it's a little later here than we normally
2: record but other than that yeah i'm doing well the time change you guys are still yeah. you know you 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 americans which i was really recently but you americans are time traveling back an hour and you've left me behind yeah so
3: so troy and i usually are 12 hours opposite each other because he lives in cambodia and i live in the midwest and so my you know my 9 a.m is his 9 p.m but with daylight saving times now my 9 a.m is his 10 p.m uh but you'd be surprised Troy, there's actually there's a growing number of states that just don't participate in in a daylight savings anymore so i I wouldn't be surprised if like five years from now they just throw it out the window
2: if you'd asked me five years ago if i was like pro daylight savings i'd be like sure whatever you know it's fun whatever you know what why we should keep it but after living in places where they don't do daylight savings time i now know i now just i'm like why do we do this it doesn't make any sense it makes i don't like it um and, for, and and now forever I'm stuck on a spring forward. While you guys have fallen back, I I am still stuck on the original spring forward. Never to recover yeah. that time. It's just it's hard on me when you think about it. So <laughs> um so that's kind of where I am. A little just a little bit more tired than normal, but everything's good. We've been busy over here, but it's been that good kind of busy where you're getting stuff done and you're feeling productive, but still finding time for family and all
3: that. Yeah. And we have a lot of a lot of new stuff going on in the studio, don't we? We got another, think of it as a, a new season of Revived yes. Devos, right? I am excited. So Revived Devos was on a hiatus.
2: It wasn't maybe necessarily the planned hiatus, but it was something that <laughs> had to occur. But while we took it down, uh, we thought about it and we shifted some speakers around. We had some people on that... I didn't think we were quite as good, and so I took some time to really think about it. Replaced a few people, moved a few people forward. If you don't know what Revived Divas is, you're not alone. A lot of people don't know that we even have this show, but it's a daily devotional where every single day we put out two or three minutes of devotional content uh, from a great speaker. And these guys just kind of, we we I, the way it was imagined was you, you, you pick up your morning coffee, you read your Bible, and then maybe while you're still sipping it, you hit play on Revived Devos and just get a little bit of encouragement from the past or conviction or, or whatever it will end up being that day. And even though I don't think that everyone listens to it when they're drinking a cup of coffee, I know for me, I usually listen to it on the road, on my way to work. It does always uh, encourage me and the words from the past. And I found with me, like with, with daily devotionals, one of the problems is how do I know if you're looking for one on a podcast, like how do I know if I can trust the person I'm listening to? What's great about these guys is they're all dead. They're all theologians of the past who aren't going to do some scandal. They've all been kind of verified in that way. And they all have really interesting things, really interesting thoughts. And so they're just two or three minute snippets you can listen to. Uh, right now, the current lineup, and it does change. You know, it started out with certain people like Oswald Chambers and Jonathan Edwards were in there. Uh, and you can go back and listen to those episodes if you want. But if you're jumping in with the new lineup that we're going to have right now, it's going to have R.A. Martin Luther. Richard Baxter, Andrew Murray, George Mueller, John Sung, and St. Augustine, who has been kind of there. Some of these guys have been there for most of it, but we do change some of them here and there. And eventually, we will change some more. So really interesting and just a good way to get just bite-size uh, devotional content into your, into your day.
3: Yeah. So you can search for it uh, on your podcast app of choice. Just search Revive Devos and it should pop up there. Uh, it is not narrated by Troy and I. It's narrated by Nathaniel Owen, who, unlike Troy and I, has a great radio voice. It sounds, <laughs> it's it's very, uh, it's a great presentation it comes across. A nice soothing uh, devotion, yeah. yeah, to start your day it's off. It's a perfect day. Yeah. Uh, so so again, a little oh. two to three minute little Devo things. So Jill you asked me how I'm doing tell me about yourself how are you doing I'm doing good i'm good I'm starting the Christmas shopping getting that going right they okay. it, they're talking about like uh shipment delays and stuff like that this this Christmas season so I'm trying to lists and and get that going a full uh, month and a half or so before uh before christmas so i'm pretty proud of myself i got a bridge pretty, or, yeah, pretty
2: i gotta got bridge for us into the main conversation that jumps off oh, what yeah? you just said so this is well planned because we are we are radio podcast pros here this is not an accident but uh with your subject of christmas when are you allowed mm-hmm. to start listening to christmas
3: music do you believe so here's the thing i'm not a huge christmas music listener in general. Um, I don't really listen to the radio much. My biggest dose of Christmas music comes from department store uh, PA systems. Well, that's like-
2: why. They're the, that's the worst Christmas music you can possibly listen to is the stuff that comes over the department store PA. I mean, uh-huh. if you're listening to that trash, that trite no goodness, that would steal anybody's Christmas spirit. So, of course not, sir. Yeah
3: i don't know mate my, my house just isn't we don't have like a we don't typically play a whole lot of music around the house and if it is it's usually like a classical music my <laughs> wife's a classical yeah. pianist so it's usually something along those lines we maybe get some like some Handel's messiah going does that count that's christmas music um i'm sorry ebenezer scrooge why don't you tell us more about <laughs> art <laughs> What's, what's your, what, what is your house? What do Usually, you, when you kick
2: on the old vinyl record player. Uh, are you kidding me? Like after Thanksgiving meal, I am putting on uh, nothing but Christmas piano instrumentals and all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. I cannot wait. But this year I actually started, and now I'm just dabbling. Okay, I don't know. I won't break the rule, but I, I did dabble a little bit in some Christmas music early. It was so hot here that I just felt like, and I saw a nice little YouTube recommended of like a snowy day. And I thought I'll listen to a little Christmas music with the snowy day YouTube recommendation. Yeah,
3: because you're in so. the southern hemisphere,
2: right? No, we're in the we're in the northern hemisphere, but we we're okay. really we're pretty close to the equator, and you feel it when you step outside. So, uh, yeah, so that's that. I broke my usual rule, but in general, after Thanksgiving, no, no, and it's still not Christmas yet. Like, I mean, and it'll be nothing but Christmas music, but the good stuff. None of that. Santa Claus is coming to town, or all I want for Christmas is you. It's got to be hymns and, like, the traditional, but sung well. Like, it's 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 a whole. I'm very careful about it. Let it's me tell a whole you. thing. So, gotcha. wow, art. What a
3: crazy thing. Speaking of art. Speaking of art. Speaking of art. And this this topic kind of came about uh, because Troy and I, and we kind of make a joke about it in some of our episodes, but so many of these church fathers, so many of these leaders in churches over the years, we see that they primarily for this example, are hymn writers. They write a lot of hymns. You know, we think of the famous uh, John Newton writes of Amazing Grace, you know, and we honestly, that that is so popular that most people think of John Newton primarily just as a songwriter and not a pastor when he was primarily a pastor first, who also happened to write some hymns. Um, and of course, I'm kind of nitpicking people that we've had on our show semi-recently, but, um, this goes, it's kind of a blanket statement for most church fathers over the past thousand years. Charles Wesley, you know, he wrote Hark the Herald Angels Sing, another popular, speaking of Christmas music, which you know. Which George Whitfield helped him name, so that was fun. Yeah. Robert Lowry is a church pastor. He wrote, Shall We Gather at the River, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus, which is one of my favorites. Sir Isaac Watts, who we have a recent episode on, he wrote, uh, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. You know, and if you if you grew up in a traditional... Christian church uh, with hymns bumping you you know these hymns they they've stood the test of time um, some of you may have no idea what any of those were but um, famous hymns that we still sing and enjoy today that I still enjoy today people from history and and a lot of the church. Fathers, there's a lot of episodes where we read that uh this person also had a, wrote over three hundred hymns over their lifetime, and we don't know what they are you know they 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 didn't stand the test of time they they're probably you know they write it away in a book somewhere um but the point is that they were writing music they were being creative in that sense, and um even ones that weren't necessarily good songwriters, we see people that were artists, people that w- would paint or sculpt. Things along those lines, and when you look at you know Christianity as a whole in the past, it seems to be something where creativity was taken more seriously than I feel like it is today. And sure, you might have some pushback, you know, d- depending on how we analyze our current culture. But you think back to especially the Renaissance era, right, where you have these great uh, murals. You, you think of the Sistine Chapel ceiling, right? These paintings that that covered these massive cathedrals. And, you know, certainly that's not the, the head pastor that's painting that, but you can see where the priorities were, where they wanted uh, to create works of art that pointed back towards God. Even in the cathedrals themselves, you know, these structures that would take decades to put together, they they built them to remind you of something bigger. They built them uh, as as a physical representation, as a creative representation of something that uh, could remind you of how holy God is, how small you are, how big God is. And so using that creativity to, as a commentary of our relationship with God and as a way to worship God is something that I think is really fascinating. I, I feel like I might be personally biased to it because I'm a pretty, I'd probably consider myself a pretty creative person. My I, I grew up in a very creative family. My parents are both very creative, very encouraging of uh, any creative endeavors that I took. Um, most of our listeners, I don't know how many of them know this, but uh, my wife and I serve as missionary videographers. We we are filmmakers, essentially, that that travel and make video content with various missionaries and ministries. And so, you know, most people would consider a filmmaking uh, a focus to be a creative outlet like that, and I, I certainly do. There's There's a lot of creativity that goes into that. And using, yeah, creativity to uh serve god or worship god or communicate a relationship with god um i think is part of what humanity is i think that's part i, I think there's something innate in us to want to be creative in that that you just can't describe about create it doesn't make sense you know if you're looking at it from an evolutionary standpoint being creativity for the sake of being creative there's no benefit to that there's no reason humanity would do that it just doesn't make sense for for humanity and and we can't explain why it has the effects it does why it has the emotions that it does anyone that's ever gotten goosebumps from listening to a song knows that there it it does something to us emotionally that is hard to explain and as far as i know we can't explain like we don't know why those notes in those orders make us feel the way they do you know uh, uh, just just a note progression can make us feel happy it can make us feel sad it can make us feel uneasy or unsettled based on you know how rhythms and uh, note structures come together it's something that we can't really explain and I would argue that there is something supernatural there to to some extent I know some of you probably roll your eyes but I mean think about it there's we have a creative God. That there is no doubt that our God is creative. Literally, the first sentence in the Bible, the first verb in the Bible, is God creating things, and and shortly after that, He creates man in His own image. His own image, that being one of a creator. So we are created to create, not only in a in a physical sense, you know, in reproduction. Both any, anything that's alive, people, plants, they all create more of themselves but on a Emotional sense too. I think uh, there is I think we are designed to be creative beings and uh, I wonder if the modern church has kind of lost sight of of some of that uh, some of that mindset I know that got (laughs) that got really meta for you Troy. What what, what's your initial thought? (laughs) Man, so we went a couple different places, but uh,
2: yeah, I mean we look at George Matheson who was writing hymns, even though he was a blind guy, I'm sure that was not the easiest. And you look at just, I I think it would be almost easier to throw a stone into our podcast list and hit a speaker who didn't write hymns. Like, or it would, you know, it'd be almost, a, it's a very difficult process because just so many of them, it's like, oh, and here's a couple of hymns they published. And hymn is one form of art but some of them were also talented at other things oswald chambers was a talented artist just off the top of my head um uh, talmage was a talented writer i mean these guys could do other things and this idea of expressing art or expressing literature or expressing these things from your heart. And I wonder, I don't know how to say this, but I do wonder when I, 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 this is more from a personal experience, but when I went to seminary, we uh, we were taught a lot of things about how to exegete the Bible, and we were taught a lot of things about how to think about the Word of God. And most people who were there, they're, you know, if you're wanting to become something, you want to become the next Uh, great professor or the next great speaker who can really exegete and speak all these things very well. Of course, that's not bad. Good theology is something we all should desire. But there was no classes for art. There were no classes for how to express that love of God. There was no desire of how to write your own hymns. There was no, um, this is why this is important. In fact, I don't know that I can't think of hardly any instance where art was even touched on. And if you were going to go there for that kind of thing, you're relegated over to the worship pastor category. That's for other mm-hmm. people to do, that's for a different group mm-hmm. of people to think about. Yet, when you do look at God, He is extremely creative. You know, you mentioned some examples, but look at Scripture, even the Word of God is so different. Genesis is nothing like Psalms, and it's nothing like Proverbs, and it's nothing like uh, Philippians or Revelation. Like, these are such different types of literature, yet they're all in the same Bible. And even just now, too, I mean, while you were talking, I'm thinking of different ways God spoke to His people. You know, one minute He's a burning, He's using a burning bush, the next minute He's speaking kind of as a voice, and then another minute He's uh, using a picture of His love through water or in, the, in the desert, or just, you know, and that's just mostly in Exodus, but I mean, there's just so many different ways, a cloud of glory, a fire, and there's just so many different ways God chose to express himself to his people. He didn't just use the same image, he was creatively showing himself. Even Jesus' miracles, turning water into wine is nothing like walking on water, which is nothing like feeding 5,000, which is nothing like raising someone from the dead, which is nothing like, you know, these are just all very, he didn't just do the same thing over and over again. Like one of these things would make you God, but God is creative and he showed all the different ways that he could do it. (laughs)
3: I love the example of of Scripture, yeah, because you're right. I mean, at least, uh, there's a huge chunk of our Bible, at least a quarter, that is music and poems. And, like, those, not only are those works of art in their own instance, I mean, it's hard for us to appreciate from uh, an English language perspective, but... Um, some of these, you know, you look at the book of Lamentations in the original Hebrew language. You know, I, I didn't take a Hebrew class. I don't know Hebrew, but I've had it explained to me. It's incredible what, what the authors have done there. But not only is it is it a work of art in its own right, but these are passages, and the, this is how God chose to communicate with us, with humanity. Like, he chose to use... Poems and songs and creative outlets and these people that were creative in their own right um, to yeah to convey his glory to convey uh, what what he wants for us and I don't I don't think that should be overlooked or or ignored. I think there's two parts to this because I mentioned you know going to seminary it
2: was no no one's desiring to be the guy who pastored a church well and became famous for writing a famous hymn there aren't there, nobody wants to be john newton they all want to be you know the guy who wrote 20 commentators or whatever so that's one aspect where this is lacking there's Mm -hmm. that passion i think that is kind of stifled from a little bit of
3: cultural uh uh, sure our current culture has that effect on people you're saying but
2: that actually and i would say the other uh, that was actually i was gonna go next the culture is also a problem for us in this area if we want because do we have a people are we a people are you and me joel are we people that can truly appreciate good art in the sense that Mm -hmm. like we would like, like we say, oh, it would be great if our pastors and our ministries and our churches created great art. But are we even a people that know how to appreciate good art? Mm -hmm. When we see the Sistine Chapel or some great work of art, we may for a minute be like gasping. Like, wow, that's pretty cool. You take a picture of it and then we move on and we quickly have moved on with our lives. How many of our listeners, and maybe some of our listeners are, but how many of them are really truly reading literature or like the great stories of the past you know, they have a, they have a copy of uh, John Milton's uh, Paradise Lost that they're working through versus how many <laughs> of us are, you know, watching TV shows or YouTube videos or whatever. And yes, technically, hmm. you can have creative and artistic YouTube videos. I'm not saying you can't. I, I think you absolutely can. And breaking into new mediums is something art does. But at the same time... Uh, you know this is kind of as I was thinking this through like are we a people who could even appreciate the great art is part of the reason we lack that art today in the church is because we as a people even if we had it we wouldn't appreciate or know what to do with it
3: yeah I and I I think there is something and I it's hard to pin down exactly what has happened over the last 50 years that has made us a not create as much uh talented skilled yeah art, artistic content for the kingdom. Uh, and what has led to us not appreciating it? Because um, I do think appreciation is just as important. A lot of people aren't creative. Like there's there's a lot of people that just say like, "Bro, I don't, I don't paint. I don't, I don't know how to play any instrument or write any music. I am the least creative person that you're going to find." That doesn't mean that you can't appreciate art though. And I think appreciating art is is participating in that creativity as well. And I mean, we do. And to some degree do this a bit with with just worship services at church, right? That is um, in a sense participating in, in something emotional and artistic that glorifies God. Again, I'm kind of getting, I'm trying not to get too like in the emotional weeds, or in the the wishy washy meta, you know, way of looking at things, um, but it's hard to do when you when you're talking about something uh, in the artistic realm like this. Well,
2: I mean, I would say that it makes even sense when I have a clear view of the holiness, the beauty, mm-hmm. the greatness of God. That should stir inside of me something that makes me want to create something for him. In the Mm -hmm. same way that like most of these best sermons come from people who really had a passionate, desire to to know Mm. God and to make him known and so it allowed them to bleed into these sermons that we bring back to life and you can feel it like so many times people will tell us like there's just something different about the sermons we're bringing back to life than a lot of the sermons I hear today and part of it's just I think that there's just a passion an emotional like they are that you can just tell from listening and reading just from reading something 300 years old that hasn't even been edited and sometimes I can read it and I'm like whoa this guy is just crazy about God and that it just is shown and i think in the same way art does that where if you you know and it's not just god i mean if you love your wife and you love your spouse and you write a poem or something you would never i'm not the kind of guy who writes a poem but i'll write a love letter or something it should be seen through it like this person really cared about them and it just happens i think when art just brings that out of you and yeah. i think in the same way it should be happening with art towards god
3: Mm. Mm, that That is a great point. I actually really like that because I like the idea there is something about genuine love that brings out creativity. You know, like that's a statement I could get behind anyone that's ever been in a in, in the early in the early days of an exciting new relationship, you know, with a significant other knows that your your brain is racking you're trying to think of all the ways that uh, you can make the perfect date you know what what's what's the perfect playlist i could put together what's the best restaurant to go to what's the what's the best movie to, what are some good conversation materials you might even uh, try something like you might go i'm gonna go rock
2: climbing or something which you normally rock climb yeah no, but i'm on a date i'm gonna try something new
3: exactly yeah there's something about yeah that excitement in that love for someone that uh drives creativity that we don't see other places in there. And I think Troy nailed it on the head. I think there is something about that relationship with God to where um, a genuine burden and passion and love for God uh, drives us to find new ways that we can worship God or communicate that in an artistic way of some sort. Um, And again, that I think will vary from person to person. I think some people are just naturally talented artistic people and there's other people that don't have that don't have that talent, and that's okay i don't want to make people feel bad for not being creative in general um but maybe it might just help you change the way you think about art or creativity in a way that uh maybe could help you appreciate it a little bit more I think, uh, too, Christians can be a little
2: scared of art. Um, you know, a lot of the music or movies or TV shows sure. or things that we consider art today aren't necessarily the best. And so, you know, saying let's dive into the art can kind of make us go, oh, recoil a little bit because we go, I don't want to sully myself <laughs> a little bit with the world's way of doing things. And so much of our artistic world is just, um, it is a reflection of some of the worst parts of humanity. So I can understand a little bit of that
3: desire. Um, but when I think about that do you think I'll- that's new though okay. do you think that's I mean certainly technology has allowed for a lot more outlets of art you know there's the U- th- billion trillions of youtube videos all over the place there's uh you know everyone has more opportunity than ever to write their own song and get it circulated uh online um or to make their own short film or uh their own podcast you know like yeah. we're doing here well here it is uh and, and I definitely think that allows for a larger cross-section of culture to be seen at any given point in time, and you're right. Like, a lot of it is not in line with our, our Christian worldview, what we want to see uh, society doing. But 300 years ago, do you think that ratio is still the same, or do you think, you know, like, if you were to take that same... Yeah, I think Cap- it's definitely, I think it's the difference.
2: Of- I do. Because if you look at like the Billboard, I don't know what the Billboard, how far back hmm. the Billboard Top 100 goes, but I know if you look at songs from like the 50s and 40s, yeah, they may have slightly innuendos, but they're not They're not nearly hitting as hard as we are now. <laughs> and sure. it wouldn't be uncommon to find like, uh, you know, a Christian song or uh, a Christmas song on that list. And just things like that would be much tamer. And yes, our society what we consider tame now back then may have been considered more loot but there's still just there's a if you were to take a person from the 40s listening to music and they worked in the mm-hmm. radio industry and you teleported them to 2021 and played the top 100 i think their ears would blow up and they would be like what in the world happened <laughs> like what did we do right <laughs> and like Fair in the same way in the same way with books too i mean so many of the books of the past I and mean, some of the literature the great stories of the past are wrestling with three themes like you know Crime and Punishment, or War and Peace, one of my favorites, just how much is God in control of time, how much are humans affecting us, just all these things are battling, there's all these interesting things, and then, like, when you zoom to where we're at now, I'm not saying that our books aren't good, we do have some good books, but how many of them would you say are reflecting Christian struggles with God, or things like that, I don't know that that mm-hmm. necessarily is the case, but it kind of reminds me of, kind of, in a roundabout way, we got back, so yes, I do think there's a change, I think there has been an artistic change, simply because... In the West, at least, I mean, if you're living in, um, if you're living in, uh, you know, Thailand, maybe you haven't seen a huge change in what art, you know, the art you're creating over these past. But for certainly, for people in Europe and America, there's been a shift away from themes of God, and there's honestly just a much more nihilistic, existentialist, that, that just kind of different place our hmm. art is in, um, and. And I would even say like, and this can kind of go into the definition of what art is, but I think real art is beauty, but it also tells a truthful message somehow, even if that, you know, it's more than just a feeling. It is that there's a truth expressed through that in some way, especially especially for literature. And I think that we've lost some of that where now it's just the, the ideal story is one that twists and turns and it takes you into a bunch of interesting places, but the idea of truths being spilled through it has been maybe lost that's a whole different thing, but what I was going to say was, as Christians, we should not be scared of art, and when I think of literature especially, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien, you know, are both, you know, Christians, yes, Tolkien's Catholic, but, but they're both Christians, they both wrote stories that had, even if they didn't mean to necessarily put them there, certainly had God and Christ and truth and all that stuff in there, and there's themes and stuff in there, and then when you look at it, And then you look at how they, I mean, both of them completely rewrote fantasy genre forevermore. afterwards. They had a a very positive impact on that genre because these two Christians wrote stories. And in some ways, um, a lot of people don't know any sermons from the 30s or 40s. They don't know. They haven't listened to any of those preachers. They should. Ravenhill and some of those guys are great from that era, and they should go back and listen to them. But they don't know the sermons from that era, but boy, they can tell you the stories of C.S. Lewis and Tolkien. And so, sometimes those things, those pieces of art, John Newton's sermons have been forgotten, like you said, but his song, Amazing Grace, which was originally uh, Mm. Face Expectations and Review or something like that, um, that song transcended the time that he lived in. And, And I think that is something art can do and can be a powerful force. And so, even though we look at the world and we look at the culture and we go, man, things do look dark, but we can step forward and maybe put a song, maybe put a story, maybe put something out there that can outlast the, the the culture it is in. But if you are not a super creative person, maybe you're more like me and you're not writing any great stories and you're not sculpting and that's just not you. Um, I would encourage you for this is because this was kind of my takeaway. Try Try to in your busy schedule and in your busy days, try to find some way to appreciate art. If you can't make it, if you can't find some way to express your love for God and express your you're you know not and don't just don't just make sad nihilistic art make some make something that's beautiful and good <laughs> but if you can't make something or you can't take time to like learn to play an instrument or just doing something um then try to appreciate it try to read something good try to try to go to a museum and appreciate some of the good stuff that's there like don't don't close off the art world because you're like well i'm a little more brain heavy because our god is brain heavy, but he also, there's a heart and there is creativeness there. And he does appreciate that. And you're closing yourself off to one of the, one of the, you know, I don't want to say channels of God. That sounds weird, but you're closing off an aspect of God to yourself and you're, you're not doing, you're not fulfilling, I think, who you are designed to be Hmm. when you just kind of shut that aspect of your life off and go, Nope, I'm just going to hit the books. And just the, just the nonfiction theology or just the nonfiction for me, like open that side up because you might find as I did many years ago, I picked up, uh doyce book the idiot and i just kind of picked it up i probably did it to be snobby like oh what did you do over your summer at bible college and i was like i read doyce the idiot you know it was probably for that really snooty reason that i did it and yet man i i loved it and it was such a good book and then i've read you know so it's, it opened the door of literature to me in ways that high school book reading summer lists never could and I realized, like, I really enjoy this stuff. This stuff is really good. And there's a lot of stuff that no matter how good a nonfiction book is, sometimes it can't explain something like a writer can. And I think that 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 truth mm-hmm. goes into the other arts, too. So there, I, that was my turn to go a little too long.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's good. And I think kind of similar along those same lines, I think that's kind of my takeaway. My challenge would kind of be to two, like, head pastors of churches. Like Troy was mentioning in seminary, it's... Tempting and it's kind of in in a in trend right now for pastors to be super well read, super uh, you know to have the theology down and to have kind of unique takes on theology and to be you know exegesis. You got all your your passages out, uh, looking at them in new lights and stuff like that. I w- I would challenge you not to let like that analytical side be the only side of that. It's it's tempting for a head pastor just to just let the worship director take care of all the music. Um, and by all means, you know, that churches are busy places. I totally understand it, people having different responsibilities and things along those lines. Um, but, try to allow room for uh, things beyond academical studies. You know, we we see in church history, not only in biblical authors, these, these creative themes throughout their lives um but also again throughout the past 1800 years of church history similarly um, these people were in touch with their emotions in touch with uh their creative outlets um and it was something that that was a part of their lives to a greater extent than it seems like uh, we want to participate in or emphasize Mm. in uh in again church leadership in today's day and age
2: Yeah, you know, and this might be my kind of final thought on this. When the uh, Israelites go through the Red Sea um, and they get to the other side, I mean, there's dead (laughs) Egyptians floating in the water. And then the next chapter, Exodus, I believe, chapter 15, is Mm -hmm. Moses' song. And they just are singing glory to God that they did. There were no words. There was nothing else they could do from what we can tell, but just, I have to sing. (laughs) Like I need Mm -hmm. to, I need to express this God. And the only way I could think to do it is through song, a creative way. um, And yes, creativity can be bad. A few chapters later, Aaron throws gold into a fire and creates a golden calf. So not all creativity is good, but (laughs) there are moments in our lives and there are moments and there are things. It is good to be creative. And I think that there are times when honestly, where Words will not will not succeed. Creativity can step in and help and get that message across that needs to mm-hmm. be expressed. And so if there, it is, if there's something the church can do, as you, a congregant, you can try to develop that taste. And, it, you know, it might not be, you might not like sculptures, paintings, and art, but there's probably something you can enjoy and uh, do for the glory of God and do for your own way to express your love of God. And in the same way, um, you know, pastors and people in church, don't just don't just always be focused on those books do try to spend some time with art as well i think it will help make you a more rounded pastor and i think and and the reason i say that is simply because you know i would have never said this two years ago i wouldn't have thought about this but after two and a half years of working on my thoughts it's just you can't help but notice that every single person um, wrote a hymn or wrote some kind of song and was involved in art and so there's got to be something to it